The Chicago Blackhawks will not be sporting their Pride jerseys during Pride Night on Sunday. This is due to safety concerns for their Russian players. Because late last year, Russia banned what its government calls gay propaganda. That new law prohibits the promotion or praise of LGBTQ relationships in media, from books to online posts. Now, in a few minutes, we'll talk about the safety of international athletes who are playing outside of their home countries. But first, we'll turn to WBEZ sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout for the latest on the Blackhawks. Hey, Cheryl, welcome back. Hi. Hi, Sasha. How are you? Doing well, Cheryl. So talk to us. What was the Blackhawks' original plan for Pride Night? Well, this is kind of interesting because two weeks ago, we thought everything was set in stone. They were supposed to wear, uh, in the warm-ups, Pride jerseys and they it was just for the warm-ups and then they have other activities going on throughout that day which is on sunday where they're going to even have uh uh, the chicago gay hockey association is going to have a competition during intermission there's going to be several uh programs going on in the atrium and during the game but as of wednesday that all changed is everything on outside of the uh, warm-up jersey is going to be set in stone but the jerseys will not be worn and that's kind of interesting because just two weeks ago, Connor Murphy, one of their players, was asked about what happened with other teams that they're not wearing. He said, oh, no, we're going to wear it. Mm. Things change. Yeah, it seems pride jerseys have been a hot topic for the NHL, yes. Cheryl. Yeah, you know, it is it is the most powerful symbol that they can give. And what's interesting is we you had a, you had a player in Philadelphia who uh, wouldn't wear it. And then you had the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Wild completely said, no, they're not going to have it at all. Mm. And here's the interesting point, Sasha. Just the last few days, San Jose, uh, Dallas, and the LA Kings had Russian players that did wear them. Hmm. Interesting. Who are the Blackhawks' Russian players, just so we're aware? Because I know there are quite a few in the NHL. Three, and the one the most notable is Philip Kershaw. And he was born in Switzerland, but his dad is is Russian. Okay. The concern, what we've understood, is not just the players, it's the players' families. And here's the other thing about this. We found out yesterday when Luke Richardson confirmed it, they never asked those players about it. Interesting. So what's going to happen? Are the Hawks still planning on having Pride Night on Sunday? They're going to. They will have the Pride Night, as I as I mentioned. They'll have the the various things. They'll have the you know the, the game with the Chicago Gay Hockey Association. They'll have the Chicago Gays Men's Choir singing. You know they'll have all these. They'll have some uh, businesses. They'll be in the atrium. Uh, so they're going to have that part of it. If you go to the game on Sunday against Vancouver, you will see all these activities. You won't see the warm up jersey. And as as again, mm. that's the strongest, uh, in my view, the strongest representation. Of support, yeah, it it just sounds interesting that they're they're hosting a number of pride related programming during the game on Sunday, but no no jerseys, right? Do you think that the team's safety concerns are they warranted in this case? It it, it could be, but to not to not even ask those players, I'm surprised that they didn't at least let, allow them to vocalize whatever they wanted to to feel about it. Um, I'm sure we'll find out in the aftermath. And here's an interesting tip. Last night I was on Twitter and the Florida Panthers, remember, this is from Florida. They had Pride Night and they tweeted out, proud to wear these beauties tonight. Love is love. This is out of Florida. Wow. Yeah. 
that's that, that's saying something. Uh, this is a, a complicated situation, you know, because athlete safety is important, but then you have this this piece of inclusion on the other side. Uh, openly gay defenseman prospect Luke Prokop uh, tweeted on on Monday saying, "Quote: uh, It's disheartening to see some teams no longer wearing the jerseys or not fully embracing their significance." What do you make of that tweet, Cheryl? And I thought the other part of it, what he said, is a step backwards. And I think that's that's the correct thought on this. It's a step backwards. You know, what's interesting, it was exactly uh, 13 years ago, Brett Sokol of the Blackhawks took the Stanley Cup to the Gay Pride Parade. That had never been done before. That was a strong statement. Now they've backtracked. They've gone the other way. And that's what's really sad. Mm. Anything else you're looking out for this weekend, Cheryl? Uh, nothing, nothing specifically. Just I'm going to be at the game on Sunday. I'm going to, it's going to be interesting to see if there are going to be any type of residual effects from the fans. Yeah. That's so what that I'm we, wondering. You know, if we see signs, if we see, you know, if, so it'd be interesting to see how the fans react to what's going on or not going on. Thanks for the update. That's WBEZ sports contributor, Cheryl Ray Stout. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Sasha. Let's add another voice to this conversation. Rick Pelts-Steele from the University of Massachusetts Law. Welcome to Reset, Rick. Thank you. Happy to be here. So you've been listening along to my conversation with, with Cheryl there. What's your reaction to this this story? Uh, you know, um, I, I mean, I'm in agreement with Cheryl. I wish the players had been asked. But overall, you know, unfortunately, this this step back, as Cheryl aptly put it, is is a bit representative of what we've seen in recent years around the world with sport and uh, anti-gay legislation and policy, where it's just been um, disappointing that we've seen sport federations, sport entities, people who make money in sports prioritizing, I think, prioritizing money over over uh, policy, mm-hmm. not, not being prepared to put the dollars where their mouths are. Speaking of policy, help us understand this new Russian law what would they consider what they call gay propaganda? Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put the question, Sasha, because that's it's not really propaganda. So this this Russian law has actually been around for a long time. It's been around ten years, um, but it was recently expanded. Uh, so what the law does is is to prohibit uh, so called propaganda of non traditional uh, families. So. Um, what it really does, what's meant by propaganda really is any representation of uh, homosexuality or LGBTQ um, orientations as as uh, acceptable, as socially mm-hmm. acceptable, um, even just identification. Um, so certainly, so the rainbow flag is out, um, you know, the pride jerseys would be out. Mm. And uh, the, what, what happened in, in December 22 was the expansion of this law it had formerly been a child protection law, not that it makes much difference in practice, but the expression involved had to have been directed toward children, and that's no longer part of it. Um, And also the uh, prohibition was expanded to more clearly reach uh, trans-related expression. I see. Well, put things in perspective for us, Rick. We asked Cheryl this earlier, but do you think that safety concerns of players are warranted here? I, you know, unfortunately, I do. Um, Why? You know, as Cheryl said, I'm 100 percent on. I want to know what the players think. I mean, they're they're the ones at risk, their interests. But that said, if they have concerns, they're re- they're real. Um, 
you know, we've seen, uh, you know, I guess what's really tragic about that is that is that the concerns are not so much under the law itself, the letter of the law and its enforcement. But the problem is that it's not the law. It's what the law means. And the law has signified in Russia and similar laws elsewhere in the world has signified a kind of uh, authority looking the other way and licensing uh, even vigilante violence. Um, and that's and that's what we've seen. So if I'm if I'm a player and I imagine myself being on a pictured on social media wearing mm-hmm. pride colors. Um, yeah, I'm worried about my family back home. Is there going to be violence against them? Are, are police going to care? Could there be um, legal, real legal action from from the Russian government, even though they're here in the U.S.? Uh, well, sh- certainly, um, you know, th- of course, these guys have to go home sometime. <laughs> Right. So true. So so that that's the concern. Now there are grounds to seek asylum on that basis, but you know that's asking a lot of somebody. That's uh, you're talking about never going home and a process that isn't guaranteed anyway. Um, so there are l- real legal ramifications and and extra extrajudicial ramifications. Mm-hmm. Just even thinking of the the Russian law, who gets to decide what is or is not propaganda, Rick? Yeah. Well, could. Good question, right? And there, and there's there's the rub. I mean, it's it's going to ultimately be Russian courts, and unfortunately, we've you know our experience with this, seeing this in other regimes such as Iran, um, we're not really looking at at fair trials with full due process. Um, it's going to be very much what the regime wants. Uh, we can't assume that these laws are enforced in a context where there's meaningful rule of law. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned Iran because this brings us. Back to the big picture here, which is the safety of international athletes, right? Another right. example that I know you've you've looked at recently is the Iranian soccer team at the World Cup. Remind yeah. us what happened. Yeah, that was, you know, I follow, I'm a, I'm a big soccer football fan and I follow the World Cup closely. And uh, it was remarkable. The Iranian players uh, came out for their uh, uh, first match. And as the national anthem is being... Uh, broadcast in the in the stadium, they're not singing uh, very deliberately. All of them clearly, <laughs> and yeah. so that's and and what it what it was not LGBT, but it was a it was a protest against treatment, specifically treatment of of uh, uh, of one person, though though certainly a broad anti regime statement. But it was a, a young woman you might remember who was who was a uh, uh, detained and ultimately died in custody uh, apparently for a violation of dress code in Iran. Wow. And uh, that was the nature of their protest. So the, the Iran re- Iranian regime was not so happy about that. Um, a player, a player back home was detained and tortured. Uh, reports say, uh, and when when Iranian players later came out in the in the course of the tournament, they fell in line and did sing the anthem. Have we seen threats turn into real action before? Well, yes, and and in that in that very sense, I mean, so. Uh, in Iran, we know again that there was a, a, a football player back home who was arrested and tortured as kind of apparently a kind of leverage against the team. Um, and you know, one of the problems with these with the regimes that are going to going to tend to go down this road is that we we really don't know what happens at home. So the the players go back. You know, I haven't seen reports of. Uh, retaliation against the Iranian footballers since they've returned home, mm-hmm. but I don't know. You know, we we don't know that we know there were threats against their families. 
Um, were any of those threats made good? Did they did they free themselves because they they towed the line? Um, you know, it, it it's hard. It's really hard to gauge that. You know, we see things like you know there one year ago in March 2022, 81 men were executed in a mass execution in Saudi Arabia. Uh, in, as best as we know, these were political enemies of the regime, but we don't really know. Uh, there weren't open due process trials. Uh, there's just really no telling what's going on behind these closed doors. Why do you think the intersection of, of sports and politics exists? Oh, it's, you know, that's a, it's a fascinating story. And we see it across been... all the sports. I see a lot of it in the NBA too. Sure. Why is that? Sure. Well, it's, it, you know, because sports is, sports is culture, sports is people. I mean, the, it goes back to the very origins of the Olympics in ancient times. Um, we, we get the idea of the Olympic peace when, when politics deliberately were set aside. And that was a, a recognition of the fact that sports and politics are intertwined and, and that sports is a very powerful social and cultural tool. And when you have a powerful tool, people in power like that and they want to use it. And so it, it's very appealing. Now, it's important to emphasize that's good and bad. Yeah. I mean, sports sports can be divisive, but it can be unifying also. We'll leave it there. Rick Peltz-Steele is a chancellor professor at the University of Massachusetts Law. Thank you for breaking that down. I'm grateful. Thank you.